Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yohai. Hi, I'm Brad. I'm Lex. Hello. Hi, Lex. That, no, I was gonna say, and today, and today we have a special guest, Lex Mandrake. <laughs> That's me. I've already introduced myself. Welcome. You have. You have. We're keep, we're 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 keeping it in. <laughs> All right. Today we are reviewing Dungeon. D-N-G-N. I actually, I'm not sure how they pronounce that, but the Dungeon Zine by Singing Flame. But first, we have a question from one of our listeners. This is the very first email we have received at our new email address, between two cairns at gmail.com. And it comes from Jonathan Rock. Let's hear it. Jonathan writes, I, mean, I was, I mean, I was going to just, yeah, okay. Jonathan Please writes, begin. Commence asking. Why well, haven't we heard Stop. the question yet? Have have you did I miss it? Okay. Jonathan writes, what comes first? Themes, dungeon map, or factions? What gets each of you from zero to one when creating an adventure for publication? Thanks for the question. Hmm, this is a fun one to answer, I think. Uh I don't know. Lex, you're our guest. Do you want to start? Oh, I like this question a lot. Yeah. The um, what comes first? I also think it ties really nicely into what we're going to be talking about later with Dungeon. But yeah, for me uh, personally, it is definitely all about the theme. I'm a big proponent of um, literary or film influences. So I really like I'll read or watch a bunch of stuff and be like, wow, that's a cool idea and then start spinning from there. So that's that's typically how I get how I get the juice, how the juice starts pumping, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm much more lazy than that. I make stuff based on what I'm playing and then I just turn that into published material with the arrogant assumption that other people would also want to play it. But that's how I do it. I, I go. Oh, this is this is fun. What's happening? Let's turn that into a thing people can play. And I don't, you know, I don't translate it entirely. I have to tighten it a lot. But yeah. So what comes first for me is to steal from myself. Yeah. Uh, I think theme generally comes first. I think I, I I think very visually. So sometimes I have an idea for some kind of uh, like a scene and then I work backwards. Like, how do I get there? You know, um, like I, I wrote uh, adventure module temple of a thousand swords. And I was thinking like, Oh man, swords are so cool. Like I want, I want a dungeon with like piles of wet swords everywhere. They're just, they're just, they're, they're drowning and, uh, worked backwards. Like, what can we do with this? How do I get, how do I get there? And, uh, kind of, work out permutations of that theme until I have a dungeon. Um, but that's usually how, how I tend to work. And wait, I have a question. Where do the ducks come from in all this? Well, I said the, uh, they're wet, right? So the, there's swords in water. What's, what's maybe the wettest animal? I guess the wet ducks aren't that wet because of the water off the duck's back. Um, I mean, they're definitely wet. Their, their, their bottom half is in the water all the time. I'm sure it's wet. You know, for all the, all the, I would say, chop busting you do about my uh, duck people, I'd say you, you maybe talk about them more than I write about them. So maybe you have a thing with ducks. I've been forced to against my will. <laughs> moving on, <laughs> moving on. I actually realized before we kind of jump into answering this question, we should probably ask Lex a little bit about himself and what we did a terrible job introducing lex we really did we really did and it's because he stepped in when he wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to you, you're blaming off my it's... whole yeah yep yeah i'm enforcing rules now here's a question though i'm actually gonna i'm gonna tie this all together i would like to know lex what you're most known for well probably the second thing you're most known for actually because then you can sort of answer this question um about that this particular adventure I'm thinking of in detail. So tell us what you're known for there. Oh, I am an occasional writer. I (laughs) will put out uh, RPG stuff from time to time. Um, I have written such things as as Azag. I've written a monster cookbook for fifth edition. I've written 
all, all sorts of strange and wonderful things. Um, also, uh, I do some music stuff. So I have um, made some music pieces to go along with those books. Fun things. Very cool. Yeah, big Azag fan. Nice. Thanks for being here. I got a question for you, Lex. What? How's it going? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, speaking of ducks, uh, I have a pond that abuts my property. And there's there's some good ducks out there today. It was nice. Ooh, that sounds real nice. Yeah, I'd like to good. learn more about the ducks. What's with the ducks? Did you put them there? No, no, they just did. They there. show up. Yeah, they just showed up. <laughs> it's a it's a pond, and it's kind of like a it's it connects to like a greater network of ponds in in the town. So there's a lot of wildlife, a lot of birds, especially like I see heron every once in a while, which is very cool. Um, and occasionally deer are hanging out too, which is fun. It's magical. Let's read into the good stuff. Yeah, forget the du- forget the dungeon the dungeon talk. I'm I want to hear about the ducks some more. Well, I know that Yohai loves the great outdoors, as I've heard from many a podcast with him. So you know, I'm just trying to keep it in theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Lex, we have lunch like once a month, and we have never hiked around the forest behind my house. Why is that? Oh, um, I'm very lazy. It's a trail. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I I also think that all this duck talk is completely undermining your earlier comment, Brad, and I think we should move on. You put them in my head, man. You got me thinking about these yeah. ducks. Okay. Um, so anyways, Lex, do you have any other comments on where a dungeon comes from, where a theme comes from, that sort of thing. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, in terms of starting stuff, uh, yeah, like, you know, I find a cool concept that really, that I think is interesting. Like, I was, I started writing up notes on a setting that I want to put together the other day, and it was because I had gone down an internet rabbit hole of, like, the id, the ego, and the superego, and like what they mean and how they're exemplified in things. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I could do something with this. And then I just threw open a document, started making notes. So really, inspiration can come from anywhere. That's a much more intellectual dungeon inspiration than mine, where I'm like, I like swords. I want to make a sword dungeon. <laughs> Gotta have some wet swords in here. That's important, too. Right. What if there, there are a lot of swords in that dungeon. Yeah, that's, so you did a good job. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I tried to put a lot of swords in the dungeon. One one question I have for you, Lilix. You wrote the joy of monster cooking. Yep, a couple of years ago. Where did that idea come from? Oh, that idea. Um, I can't take credit for that one. Actually, I co-wrote that with my uh, co-author Chris, and I think. Either we kind of came up with it together while we were hanging out at one point, or it might have been him. It was so long ago. It's just, how could I even say? But uh, he went to culinary school. So when we were talking about monsters, and I think maybe we were talking about monster harvesting and how there's, you know, no good rules in the base game uh, to do that, but people always want to do that. And I was like, yeah, but I counter with... That's silly. I don't care. What if we did something silly with that idea? And he was like, what if we like cooked them? And I was like, yes, let's do that. (laughs) Um, uh, It was funny. Then after it was released, everyone was like, oh, this is just like delicious in Dungeon. You must have been inspired by that manga. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I appreciate that. (laughs) Have you read it since then? I have not. Although I keep hearing good things about it. So at some point, I definitely will. Yeah, it's... Perfect. And that's all I'll say. Um, Great concept, though. All right. Well, great question. Thanks so much to Jonathan Rock, who emailed us at betweentwokarens at gmail.com. We should have like a follow-up survey. Like, did we answer your question to your satisfaction? You know what I mean? I want to... No. No. I want to know how... I want to take a pulse check. How are we doing with the Well, first off, answer? we only answered one-third of this person's questions. And then second, I don't care. Wow. Now, wow. You don't care about your listeners? Wow. No, I care about my listeners. <laughs> wow. Look, I'm going to edit this out of here, all right? <laughs> oh, no. This is staying. <laughs> but I care about my listeners. And uh, Sorry. I care about our wow. listeners. I'm just saying they get what they get. They can't expect more from a free podcast. That's all I'm saying. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> okay. So your reaction is making this much worse. Moving on to the main review. Okay. I think I think you've said quite enough. So let's let's move on. I agree. Okay. The main review is Dungeon or DNGN. It is a what, Brad? Thanks for asking. Dungeon issue one. It's a weird fantasy mega dungeon uh, put out by Singing Flame, aka Vasily Kaliman. Uh, this came out just this year, 2022. This is a zine, about 42 pages, including the covers. Um, I would say it is impeccably uh, curated and assembled. This is Risograph. Um, just screaming, screaming colors on this thing. Beautiful, uh, beautiful colors, great feel. Paper feels nice. And uh, content-wise, this is a kind of a weird science mega dungeon. It is 10 floors of a very large dungeon structure uh, with the promise that there is more to come in issue two. Uh, we also get a few bonuses at the end. We get like a two-page comic and then like a little mini dungeon with a map by Skull Fungus. So that is Dungeon. So let me ask you, how would you define a mega dungeon to someone who has never heard of it? Well, um, what is a dungeon? Yeah, so this is a, I, I would say a mega dungeon is a, it's a self-contained adventure environment. A mega dungeon is a campaign-sized environment. You could feasibly spend multiple, multiple sessions, uh, days, months, years playing in the same environment and not see all the content. It just keeps going. Uh, what do you think? Am I, am I, am right, I, did I hit the nail field? on that one? No, or I, or what do you think? Lex, back me up. I, I, well, can I add one okay. thing first? I think the, the key to a mega dungeon is that it's just a lot of levels mm -hmm. in a dungeon Sometimes they're connected by a narrative arc. Sometimes they're not. So your mileage may vary. But I do. I would say one of the common themes of mega dungeons is that they're not necessarily built around a single adventure or storyline. There are some exceptions, but you know, Stonehell, for example, which is a very well-known mega dungeon yeah. series. Many of those levels have nothing to do with each other. The rooms in the levels have just no relation to any outside sort of narrative or arc. Now, one thing I would add, or I should say another thing I would add is a lot of times mega dungeons have like faction play, a lot of very present faction play. So there's an, another thing you'd often find in a mega dungeon. But again, your mileage may vary. I think that the, the one unifying factor it's is big. a whole it's big. lot of levels yeah. in a dungeon. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So, so go ahead. Sorry, Lex. Um, what is your familiarity, opinion, perspective on mega dungeons as a concept? Uh, well, I think yeah, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head, Brad, earlier saying that it's like you could expect to spend an entire mm -hmm. campaign in one, um, or at least maybe the adventurers wouldn't necessarily need to do that, but that would be an option because there would be enough content there. And uh, I don't, I think this is kind of true of any old school dungeon, but I find it particularly true of mega dungeons is this idea that like with each level, the difficulty mm -hmm. ratchets up the farther down you go, you know? So that feels like a hallmark of mega dungeons yeah. to me, especially. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I think that's true in this zine as well. Yeah. Um, I think if we're talking about dungeon issue one. Got, I think we got to start by saying, how beautiful this thing is as a product and how cool and just popping this is uh, as like an art object. Because uh, that's what jumps out with me. This thing is yeah. this thing is a work of beauty. And I, I've seen very few zines to compare at this, this level of quality uh, visually. 100%. Yeah, I would say this is one of the most beautiful RPG products I have ever owned. And I do own a Zag, by the way. Lex, which I also consider quite beautiful, and I wow, think this... I didn't take offense at first, but then when you brought that up, I guess <laughs> I have to, huh? <laughs> no, I just consider them both that you know, Electric Bastion Land and uh, Vaults of Arn. I have a lot of beautiful RPG products. This one is a zine and stands out 
for exactly what you just said, Brad. It's it's a Rizo print. It has extremely carefully chosen, or it has very, it has carefully chosen fonts and colors that really make it both readable and just eye popping to look at. I, I think that's. It almost gets in the way of the product itself. It just—it's such a beautiful product. Uh, the cover is some kind of like matte mm-hmm. finish, and even the paper sm- yeah. feels smooth. You know that way that Rizo can feel. You're, it's absolutely okay. Hold up. Gorgeous. Let's let's talk about. It. I I thought it was Riso. Are you saying it's Riso? Don't can we don't, not? One of us is one pronounce. of us is wrong. I don't know. Okay, yeah. it's Japanese. I don't know. I- <laughs> I don't care how to pronounce it, but what does it mean? Does anybody have a good definition? Uh, yeah, for it's it? a, well. You, you want to go for it? No, no, no. Please, please go ahead. It's a, it's, I know it's a printing technique. It's kind of like it looks like a copy machine, but the way it works is a little more akin to like screen prints, where we have rollers with single color of ink on them, and then you layer them. So like all the blue goes down, and then all the red goes down, etc. So. Um, it's just a, a very specific look and feel. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think, a really unique and very cool uh, you know, printout once you get it. It just feels very distinct from your other printing uh, methods. Yeah, you often see it paired with colors like red and blue. Uh, I, If you did want to jump into etymology for a second, I said it was Japanese. The, the company that makes... The, the risograph machine is called um, uh, Rizo something. Rizo Ka. I can't remember now. I have to look it up later. But it, it is a Japanese word. So it should be Rizo, if I remember correctly. Um, so I would say I was wrong calling it Rizo. It should be Rizo, as you said. Okay. Hope I'm right. I don't want people yelling at me on the internet. Yeah, it looks like it's the Rizo uh, Kagaku. Wow. Corporation. Well, this is this is uh, this is that risograph uh, print. So good. I'm glad we got that definition out there. <laughs> I feel like the listeners would appreciate it. But uh, the so what I wanted to say about this in terms of it as like a, a work of art, right? Is I think it strikes a really perfect balance that we actually see in a lot of old school essentials products of um, like beauty and usability. Uh, and like, like, um, comparing it to maybe the most extreme example mm-hmm. out there, something like a Morkborg, right? It, Morkborg, beautiful book, a little difficult to use. Uh, whereas you then look at something like Dungeon has a lot of the same kind of visual pop in a lot of places, but it's very concise and you like can find everything you need immediately and you never feel distracted by any of the totally art or yeah i think vasily has kind of uh, established himself with this one as kind of a uh, s tier layout artist in the rpg world this uh, is just so well yeah you use that word. What? Stop. What? What does S tier? Huh. You've used that before. What is that? It's a zoomer thing. It's a, it's a zoomer. I don't, thing. I don't know. I'm coming from the world of like playing Street Fighter, where it's like S S tier is the, the best tier. You know what I mean? And then A is like oh, not as good. Oh, okay. All right. You know, if you're ranking All stuff, right. S is always right. okay. Well, moving. Yeah. Better than A. Yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah. Okay. I apologize for the digression. So. Uh-huh. I think to add to what you're both saying about usability, I would actually make the argument that that's the greatest strength uh-huh. of this product compared mm-hmm. to its beautiful pr- uh, presentation. You could make this with a, you know, a mix, mix and print or whatever. And it would be, in my opinion, only harmed a little bit like the, my overall impression of the physical presentation, because the layout yeah. is so clean and so readable, you could put this in my hand, sight unseen, and I could run it and probably do a good job. And that's because of how it's presented, not because of me. Any Anybody could. You know, it it has on, you know, it, it's a two-page spread, so it's a one-page dungeon with um, the map on one page and the information, including stat blocks, on the other. And it is just so carefully presented so that each room you just need to glance at understand what's in the room, what's interactable, and then the layout has formatting such that you know right away which objects matter, what happens when the player characters interact with them, what happens if 
Um, you need to roll a random table. It's there's one per dungeon. Like it basically, it really lends itself to you need a dungeon. Yeah, literally pick any of these, and you don't even need to prep. It's it's amazing in that sense. Which, by the way, is not necessarily what mega dungeons are for. I wouldn't do that with anything in like you know mm-hmm. an, um, ASE, for example, or maybe in Stonehill. Though I'd probably change it a lot. This I would run them as is with no problem in almost any kind of setting that I wanted to do, which, which I want to talk more about that later, but yeah. That, that and I, I got to call out too. So left, left side of the spread, we've got the map, very interesting markup on the map. Like it's keyed, very easy to read. We can understand where doors are and so forth. Um, and then little notes, like what's the lighting, like what's the floors, but then the right hand side, the, the, the right hand side of the spread room descriptions, we have upwards of, I don't know, 10 to 12 room descriptions sometimes, and they all fit on a single A5 size page. No white space. You know how hard it is to get all these room descriptions to line up in a two-column format? <sighs> like, this is some absolute word, uh, like, bonsai tree pruning over here um, to make all of this line up. Like, it takes right. so long and so much editing to make this work, and it totally works. There's no dead space. It is precise. It's amazing. Right. I think the word I used was um, austere. It's austere. Like everything except for Husk, which is the adventure included in the back by that Skull Fungus drew the map for, which is very different than the rest of these. But uh, I, I totally agree. No word. There are exactly as many words as would be required to deliver the information that they deliver. And no more. Yes. It's really carefully edited. Um Uh, One of the things I want to point out that contributes to that a lot is the way that they do um, sort of like the way they key text, which is talked about in the introduction page for under the old school essentials header, right? So like how they have the way they use bolding and then asterisks uh, and all sorts of different other things. So you're always like, oh, okay, not only do I understand like when it's referencing this thing, like if I need to go and look for more information on it, I know exactly where I'm going to look in the um, core books. Right. So it'll be like, here's a monster, but there's an asterisk. And that tells you to, you can find it in a particular book, but not only do they use the bold object arrow description thing, which you were referencing, they also kind of invent some new ways of doing things. So for instance, on the bottom left-hand corner of every map, there's a legend, you know, a key. And it's the same on each dungeon, but they make it very clear, like, what are stairs? And also, they even have a line in the beginning about sometimes the stair location doesn't make any sense, you know, with accordance to where the stairs should be on the the next level or on the previous level. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. This is abstract, right? To some degree, they're not telling you like, why should the stairs line up? But, but I know (laughs) that if they hadn't written that, if Vasily had not written that, someone had said, Oh, this makes no sense. The stairs are on the South side (laughs) here, but they're on the North side in this dungeon. it's like, Oh, okay. Let's, let's all chillax. Um, So I really appreciated both the yeah. text formatting and the kind of standardization. This is like the Fannie Mae of standardization. It's like people should just look at this and say, okay, we're going to do it like this from now on because the someone big did it that way. Yeah. But in this case, I think it's the right way of doing things for this specific kind of product. There's a lot of little touches that I think are, would be really hard to duplicate. Look, look Vasily mentioned on Twitter today, this one page has 12 typefaces. <laughs> That's crazy. It does not look like it. But when you look at the details, like when something is bolded, it's not just bolded. It's suddenly a different font. Like it's got serifs. Like, and it's it's not screaming at you, which is, I think, the mark of good layout. It, sometimes, I guess it can be, where it all flows. This isn't distracting. But it creates, I think, a really interesting visual texture that just feels interesting to read and details don't get lost like bolded stuff is there's more attention to it but it's like double bolded because the text is completely different looking i don't know really subtle stuff that i think goes a long way to making this uh a really really cool looking product 
just to interrupt a little bit or to clarify, sorry, just to uh-huh. clarify, it's not. Uh, did you say how many typefaces you said it was? He said there. Well, the, he posted a a spread that he said had twelve, it's, it's, and he used sixty across 12, the whole book. Right, right, twelve. Right, sorry, that's why I wanted to clarify. So there was twelve fonts on just one spread, and sixty typefaces over the whole book, which is that's like Johann Nor levels of typeface, you know, obsession. Like it's a I, lot. It's um, it's a it's a lot, and. Y- you're right. You don't really see it. It just sort of blends together. So it's a, you're right that this is going to be very hard to reproduce. I don't disagree. Everyone should do it. And then we should give them money for it or pay <laughs> someone like Vasily to do it. No, that's my opinion. It's like, I, you know, it, it, compare this to, and I'm not going to try knocking other mega dungeons, but I have a couple right behind me. Uh-huh. Compare this layout to any of them. Now I'm not going to make a comment about the content, but about formatting and, like the map, the I should say the presentation of the dungeon and everything we've, we're talking about. It, I've never seen anything better than this. I mean, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna mention in terms of uh, layout stuff the fact that there's a lot of jaqueying. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Um, Gotta get that s. Jaquais. It's yeah. It's jaquais. It's she 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 prefers jaquais now. I think jaquais. Is uh, there's a lot of loops in there. <laughs> you can, you don't have to take a straight line through uh, a lot of these dungeons. M- many of them can be traversed in different ways. So there's a lot of variety there. Interesting that you say that. I personally felt it didn't quite have enough jacazing, jacquazing for my taste. Um, I felt some of the floors were kind of linear, and I would have like to see maybe like bigger loops, maybe uh, like skipping a floor, you know what I mean? Within Ooh. a floor sometimes like the loops are good, but like from one floor of the dungeon to the next, it's a pretty linear progression. And I think um, personally, I was a little disappointed. There wasn't more opportunities to navigate in different ways, like a pit or like a teleporter or something like that, or even just like stairs that go down that skip a few levels and then a different scare- staircase that goes, you know, to the, the next progressive level. Um, I think that would have made it a little uh, more interesting uh, navigation opportunities. But yeah, on a f- like a floor by floor basis, I thought the loops for the most part pretty pretty uh, pretty nice. I would agree that there wasn't enough jacazing. I mm-hmm. actually think th- I saw it a couple times, but I also don't think every single dungeon needs to be properly jacazed. I mean, I, I I agree that it's I agree with you, Brad, that it's not quite as much as um some other dungeons are but i i I don't know i feel like there's just so many levels here (laughs) it's like i'm okay with them being kind of tighter um but i do think we should probably get into the actual content um and sort of conclude the summary so then we can do a deep dive yeah does that make sense cool okay so let's talk about the art yeah yeah i haven't talked about the art and that's a huge chunk of this uh Zine. So there are a ton of artists in this. Let's see. There are. Oh, wow. I'm just going to read them instead of counting them. Uh, Jacob Fleming, uh, Huargo, Ken Landra- Landgraf, Chris Mal- Malek, Diogo Nogueira, uh, Stefan Pog, Skull Fungus, and Andrew Walter. Uh, I mean, that's just yeah. a massive range of the basically the who's who. <laughs> OSR artists. Absolutely filthy list of talent. Oof. Uh I this book does the thing that I love where it has handouts. It's just handouts galore. It's like, hey, every level there is a scene that these adventurers are gonna stumble across and turn to this page and show them this picture, because this is what it's gonna look like. And I just, oh, I love that so much. It's, it's great. Okay, what's what's your favorite one? Uh, in the back, there's a bunch of them. Do you have a particular one that you like the most? Oh, without giving anything really away, just like, what's the page number? It's uh, either, either 28 or 31. If we're going yes. page numbers. Yes, wow, uh, 100% same page. I would prefer, I actually think 29 or 31, both are really mm. good, but... Anyhow. Yeah. I like 31 too. That's the, I think the 
Berserker looks like it's like yeah. steaming. Yeah. That was the one that was on the Kickstarter that convinced me to back mm. the kink, the Kickstarter. <laughs> That's Chris yep. Malik, I think. So so cool looking, like not not what I would think when I hear Berserker. That's just like, but yeah, this thing is a Berserker, all right. Um, awesome. So that said, do you believe that this product needs art? Um, heck yeah, I think, uh, okay, does a pro, does a book need art? No, I don't think it needs art. The aisle did just fine without art. Do I want a book to have art? Yes, I always want to look at cool pictures in a book. Always, 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 always. And I think this is a cool approach. This isn't art to fill a white space. This is not spot art that's saying, oh, there's a gap here in my layout. I need a little, little doodad. Um, this is all full page art uh, of a cool looking thing that you can show to people at the table. It's for everyone to enjoy. It's not just for the, the GM reading it to look at. This is like very, I think, um, art in a spirit of collaboration and uh, generosity. This is something for everyone. So um, heck yeah, this thing needed art and it totally has the best art that I could ask for with this thing, I think. What about you, Lex? Do you think this product or products in general need art to function as a RPG product for you? Um, I mean, I would agree with what Brad said pretty much 100% there, uh, especially with the, the sort of collaborative nature of it and how the art is for everyone. I think that's so important because you see so many books that are just like, Hey, here's this, here's what this really cool thing looks like. It's just for you, game master. No one else gets to see it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but, but yeah, the other thing Brad said also important was no, we don't need it. Um, especially with how great the layout is in this book. I don't need to have those, um, 10 pages of art towards the, the end of the book to, to run it properly for it to work for me. But man, they really add that extra layer. Also, I think the Rizo and color combination, like this kind of product really sings. I I'm glad that there is color art. It's not all color, but I'm glad that there is color art. Like that bar, that berserker guy you mentioned on page 31 yeah. it, it, it is, it really sings with the reds mm -hmm. and the, the hues and stuff. Um, I, one of my notes here. I think. I think. Yeah. Go I ahead. was just gonna say one of my notes is color is awesome. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I it's true. Color is awesome, and I think. Yeah, you're right. This is great, and I would love to be able to just open the book and go check this out. You know, and just show it to the players. Yeah, and I don't know. I think just having good art in a product can give it a timeless quality that's going to make you want to run it or play it like halls of the blood king. Awesome adventure. Like definitely on my pile that I want to run, but because of like the Justine Jones art, like I pull that sucker off the shelf all the time. Mm. Cause I just want to look at it. And it's always like fresh in my mind. Cause I'm thinking about that wall with those adventurers standing in front of it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, there's like something about this is just like hooking me back into it, which, um, you know, is unique to just a beautiful work of art. I, I agree. So I, agree. I think it, just, it can elevate a product. One of the things that this book does that, that I wish that book did was the fact that with this book, the art is separate or it's on separate pages, right? Because uh, when I was running yeah. Halls of the Blood King recently, I kept being like, oh, this is this really cool thing with this book. I want to show it to you, but I like I want to cover up the stats that are right next to it because I don't want you to see everything on the page. And it became very <laughs> <Yeah>. awkward <laughs> but because like, I was like kept trying to show everyone the art. Yeah. Yeah, this makes it easy because it's its own mm -hmm. section and that's kind of cool, I think. Right, and I, I don't know that we could say the same for the comic in the back. And I'm not, I'm not going to like go into details about it, but basically there is a little three, four page comic strip in the back that I understand what they're doing. Like that used to be not common, but you'd see that in old like D and D zines or um, magazines and such uh, back in the day. And I've seen it more recently with like um, LFOSR made like a kind of, RPG party book called uh, Tales uh, for Bark Saga, I think it's called. It's awesome. I 
strongly recommend it. This was illustrated in such a way where it really does feel like a classic D&D adventure with, you know, like two white dudes in a dungeon. I just didn't find it very compelling. And maybe I just didn't give it a good enough read. But I felt like that was the only aspect of the art that sort of left me thinking, oh, I, you know, I, I hope the next for, the next one has a more interesting couple of pages for this section. Yeah, it feels a little – it feels kind of too short to really – get me going as far as like consuming a comic. I think it's fine as, uh, of like setting vibes. You know what I mean? Like I read this, I'm like, yeah, okay. We got your old school barbarian dude. This, it's getting me in the zone. I think it fits the the theme of the work. Um, it, it's, it's cool. I like it. It feels like a stretch goal in a Kickstarter, but, uh, I got, I got no complaints about it. It's, I think it's, it's, it's cool that it's there. Well, that's my, that's the, okay. So that's actually the question though, is if you're presenting such a tight product and it has something in it that like, doesn't, in my opinion, really justify it. I, I'd almost rather have, I don't know, a a longer issue with more dungeons in it or something than that. But that's just a personal nitpick and not that important. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, uh, you're entitled to your opinion, I guess, you know. <laughs> that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, I, basically that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, all right, like, uh, all right. Well, let's, since there's very little left here, let's just switch to the deep dive and actually talk about the 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 text and the content. Because I do think there is one thing that we haven't covered, and that is wh- how good of a dungeon is yeah. it in terms of what's it how good how good of a how well stocked is it and and i want to say i think the greatest strength and weakness to a mega dungeon is it's not really connected to an overall adventure some of the time like a lot of the time you know halls of arden just goes forever and uh, asc there is some connection there but i uh, for the most part they feel very neutral you know there's not um, is like compared to, for instance, Sepulchre of Seven. There is a freaking story behind all this. Everything is there for a reason, and the PCs are constantly pushing up against either NPCs or factions or remnants of the past. You could say the same about pretty much everything we've reviewed up to this point. But this feels more like here are a whole bunch of dungeons. They don't really relate to each other. There's a theme in terms of science fantasy, I guess, and some space gods or star gods, but it doesn't really tie. Like you, you could. It, it's not. Um, it's cohesive in that it's entirely neutral, and that is really good if you just need to grab it and run it. But it might not be as interesting to some kinds of players. So that's my non-deep dive. Yeah. Perspective. Yeah, I mean this. This, I mean, aptly named. This is a capital D dungeon. Like, just, I feel like this is older than old school. We're going back to the roots of the hobby where you're just hopping in this hole in the ground, finding weird encounters and interacting with them. And it's not a work that is super interested in answering why, like about anything. (laughs) Why is this here? Why are these creatures hanging out in this room? Like, that's that's beside the point. I don't think this product is trying to even come close to being that. This is more like we're using old school essentials rules, BX D&D, or even older, original D&D, and use those procedures and rules to go in and play like the game as it's written and have like a grand old time like opening doors and encountering monsters. Like I, that's I think that's what this is. Um, not a whole lot of narrative attached to it this is i just looked up this is the the hook this is the introduction really in the ancient past star gods visited the world and constructed a mega dungeon it was recently unearthed nobody knows of its purpose depth or what lies within (laughs) so like that's it that's what we got it's like a space god dungeon (laughs) like uh, and like shout outs to to sticking with like that that purpose it's very like pure (laughs) pure vision but I think people looking for like a narrative or a bigger uh, story are are not going to find that here. If I can counter real quick, yeah, I don't think it's just narrative that is important. It's also why the hell are they here? 
And I think the why can be to search for treasure. It can be to kill a monster. It can be mm-hmm. to stop something from happening or whatever. I, there isn't really a lot of that. So oh, yeah. the question comes to mind uh, as it did during like the, the aisle, we said the same thing. Why would the PCs go on? Not just why would they walk in? Why would they continue on? It, 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 there are, there is some treasure, but I don't know that it's stocked well enough to justify a continuing campaign through the whole thing. That, that's sort of my question I took away. Uh, I feel like the, there was one thing from this that was that screamed out that was missing for me w- that I see in a lot of other mega dungeons, which is factions. Uh, because in terms of giving PCs motivation, like if you as the game master want to figure out some sort of mystery that they can uncover at the very bottom of this, the fact they're trying to get down there to uncover it, that's like cool, right? Uh, but I just needed a little more in terms of like motivation or alliances between like some of the different NPCs they can find down there. So I can have a little more to work with as a game master in terms of how these players are going to interact with these other characters that they're meeting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's that, that kind of like why are like talking about factions, we get a few creatures that kind of reappear. Like there's Durgar kind of pop up in a few places, but as for like the whys, like why are they here? This isn't, it's, it's, this product, it's not here to answer that. And it's not here to answer a lot of questions. And I don't mean that as like a detriment to the work at all. It's just, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a dungeon, but it's not explaining why it's a dungeon or why anyone's in this dungeon or why anything is happening in this dungeon. It's, this is pure, it's pure dungeon. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not seeing that as, as, an, as a bad thing. Yeah. I'm just saying that would be one, I guess, a strength and weakness to a mega dungeon is that you have to do the other work to fill in those holes if they're important to you. And and that's overall, though, I think I'm not even sure we need a deep dive on this thing. I, I feel like there's cool stuff in it that we could talk about. You know, there's like yeah. a chest cavity with a, a white that comes out of it, stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. But it, but I I really think that the... Unlike many of the products that we've reviewed in the past, this one sings in in and of itself, just as a product. It, right. it is not just beautiful to behold, but it's beautiful to use, I imagine. I definitely would like to find out. Um, and it also has just... I think it, it, it does what you said. It serves its purpose, yeah. which is to make running a dungeon as easy as possible for the person running it. Yeah. You know, like going back in like D and D history, right? Like Tracy Hickman, like famously like questioned, like, wait, why is this vampire in this dungeon? And then kind of made a new way to kind of play D and D right. Like Ravenloft is now this kind of narrative structure around dungeon. And probably Tracy Hickman wasn't the first person to ever do that or ask those questions, but um, you know, whatever. Um, This is not, (laughs) <laughs> this is this is a pre Tracy Hickman dungeon where um things are happening and it doesn't matter why they're happening. Like level 4 I think is flooded. We don't really know why. <laughs> There's no like water supply. There's no uh there's you know, I don't know what what this water is or where it came from. I don't know why lower levels are also not flooded. It's just flooded. Like it is what it is. So if you're GMing, you can figure out why. Or you can just not worry about it because that's not the point. Like, have fun in the dungeon, guys. Like, you're playing the game wrong. And that's that a different style of play. But that's that's what this is. This is not a game that's going to answer any of those questions about the dungeon. We don't know what this dungeon is. It's just Space Gods built a mega dungeon. Like, is it a tomb? Is it a spaceship? Is it a temple? Forget it. It's a big hole in the ground with monsters. And, <laughs> like, do it that way you will. Um so, yeah, I think some people might be challenged by that, but I do, um, I don't know, it's interesting, and I think there's a lot of fun to be had here just going and playing it as it is, just like it's a fun hole with weird stuff that happens. So, any final thoughts from you, Lex? A question for you, both of you, actually, about it. 
Uh, what would do? Do you know of a setting that you would plop this into to run it? Uh, it's, it reminds me of a little bit of Deep Carbon Observatory, and it reminds me of Anomalous Subsurface Environment. It reminds me of I would say Vaults of Arn, but less cheery, hmm. I guess. Um, yeah, which is a setting and a system, obviously. But so th- that's what I would probably try to run it with um oh i could see it working with um some of the dirk rules uh stuff like um uh well the bloodship returns is the next thing but it, it, brad knows what i'm talking about the into the odd base mm-hmm. vampire spaceships that it feels like that a little bit um yeah for me i i kind of think just like leave it as is um there there is um in a lazy lich adventure <laughs> um i really like there's this item you can find i think it's in woodfall um there's a mask shop and there's a mask that's like the mask of the uh god what is it it's uh the mask of the mystery dungeon it's kind of a call out to the mystery dungeon the like roguelike video game series but you put it on and like a door opens below you to like a dungeon and you can just walk around and have like dungeon adventures. And I always love that idea, like treating a dungeon as like a mini game in a, <laughs> in an, in like a RPG campaign setting where PCs can get, if they're tired of like dealing with whatever plots you've thrown at them, like hop in this dungeon and just have like pure D and D baby, you know, like have it both ways. So I, <laughs> I've had that like ideas in mind for a while that I would, put this item in a campaign and for I was gonna I have like Mike's dungeon. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it's a similar product in some regards as it's like 75 floors of just pure dungeon, like no rhyme or reason to it. Just a very different aesthetic than than uh this zine. But I think this might replace Mike's dungeon in that <laughs> that like uh I don't know campaign within a campaign. Like hey is this thing go into like have fun. Um Right, that you kind of return there in your dreams or something. And yeah. By the way, that mask shop is yeah, awesome. Isn't that, it? that mask shop from uh, uh, it's from um, uh, Willow. I, th- I no, thought it was no, Woodfall. No, not Willow. The yeah. other one. It's yeah. Woodfall. It's Woodfall. The one with the communist vampires <laughs> yep. and the anarchist yep, fairies. It. Oh, I, I I love that. It's one. so good. <laughs> he could no because Lazy Lich illustrated every single mask, which is awesome. If I rec- I can still see them in my head. That's how I know it was good. Yes. Um. Yeah, that's the one where you have to get the permission of a person before they die if you're going to raise them as a skeleton <laughs> yeah. as a necromancer. It's like an ethical necromancy. Oh, so so cool. Yeah. What about what about you, Lex? Do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> uh the what I was thinking when I was reading this is uh and maybe it was just the Stefan Pogue art, but like man, this fits really well with the Dungeon Crawl Classics Purple Planet. Ooh, I haven't heard, I haven't read that one. Uh, oh, it's so good, but it's very much like this. It's like you know, set on a planet. There's a lot of like weird technology, especially that it has like an underdark equivalent, which is very very similar to this, with lots of like cyborg zombies and stuff. It's John. It's like John Carter inspired. Yeah, a little planet. bit. Is mm-hmm. that? It's like very pulpy. Yep. Well, I mean, it's DCC, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a very gross uh like dcc version of john carter <laughs> that sounds cool <laughs> well all right it sounds like everyone really appreciates this zine uh i i'm personally excited for the next one i think it can only be better i can't see i can't see Vasily not getting even better at what doing what he does and i i, I wish this product all the success in the world yeah and i yeah yeah i I think this has been a really interesting conversation. I hope to see more new mega dun- mega dungeons in the future. Yeah, I'm always going to buy mega dungeons. I don't know why, but I'm gonna I'm gonna buy all of them. <laughs> I, I, see, I'm not. I'm not. I only own a few, and because I know I'm just, it's just not worth it to me to. I mean, just, you know, ever since I saw Stonehell had a Sephirot, you know the 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 Kabbalah dungeon inside of it with no actual like thematic joining of the rooms to what it was copying that really kind of that that ruined away. mega dungeons for not you? As a, not no it's just it's just it just made me realize like oh they're just 
using like the D30 companion or something, you know, <laughs> to just generate stuff and put it in a book. And I, I, I need intentionality behind it. And whether it's in presentation or content, I need intentionality. And I, I, I realized that that kind of turned me off. Stonehill. Yeah. I mean, they're in a sense, they're kind of impractical. There's always like way more content in this adventure than you can ever hope to see. And I think that's kind of the point. Some people buy a mega dungeon and they assume like, oh yeah, they'll just complete it like a normal module. And that's, it's not the case. It's, it's not something you're going to like complete and it doesn't have to be. And, and I don't know. I remember, um, Gus, Gus L had an interesting review recently on, on, uh, bones of contention about a mega dungeon and had some comments like, uh, are mega dungeons just like a flex? Is it just something you do like as a designer to say you did it? I don't know. Um, there's there's something to that, but I still am just totally smitten by them for whatever reason. I just love this giant dungeon world that I can read and have fun imagining, exploring, even if I never bring it to the table. So I don't know. I love these big, silly holes in the ground. I'm going to keep buying these things. I can't help it. I'm incorrigible. <laughs> yeah, for those interested, um, that review was uh, Greg Gillespie's Duaro Deep, which you can find on Bones of Contention. Gus did not like it. Is <laughs> the long and short of it. Um, so yeah, people should check that out. And uh, any final final thoughts from you there, Lex? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that even if you, uh, I think I think your worst case scenario, if you're a game master and you don't want to just like run this uh, as is, it's still a really, really great treasure trove of cool little encounters that are really interesting that you could pick out and use elsewhere in your games if you'd like. So you really, there's no reason not to get this. So just go get this. Really. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to Between Two Karens. You can email us at betweentwokarens at gmail.com. Thanks to Lex Mandrake for joining us today. Oh, and Lex, where can we find your work? Uh, if you find me on Twitter at Dank Dungeons, you can find on my profile a link tree that has the links to all my different pages because, you know, I have stuff up on DMs Guild and Itch and Bandcamp and all sorts of different places. Cool. And uh, also thanks to DLB for editing this podcast and Bobby McKelver for the intro and outro music. Well, that's all. Bye, everybody. That's all. Thank you. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Huh? Nope. That's just creepy. Huh? All right. Nope. Tuck them in. No. Oh, that last one. Tuck the little babies in. Good night, babies. Sleep tight. (laughs) Okay. I'm pressing stop. God. People. (laughs) The worst.